It's the Kia Summer Sticker Sales Event, so give your friends something to look at, like a B&B with an ocean view, an endless field of wildflowers, or a sunset that needs no filter. Make this a summer to share and save with a capable Kia SUV or powerful sedan. See your local Kia dealer or visit Kia.com to learn more. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-334-KIA for details. Always drive safely. Sale applies to purchase of specially tagged 2024 vehicles only. Quantities are limited. Must take delivery by 7824. Hey, girlfriends. It's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series called Blooded, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halper. Experience this investigation in a truly unique way, untangling secrets that may reveal the answers to not only one case, but almost a dozen. Listen to Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now here's a highlight from Coast to Coast AM on iHeartRadio. And welcome back to Coast to Coast. George Norrie with you, ML Bearman, outdoorsman, desert enthusiast. He's the author and host of the Mojave Mysteries. That's a book and video series, as well as the writer behind the acclaimed Western horror series of novels featuring monster hunter and cowboy character J. Everett Earle. Often referred to as the Rod Serling of the Desert, his books and video series detail the strange, bizarre, and paranormal aspects of the vast Mojave Desert. They've thrilled and captivated audiences all over the planet. ML, welcome back to the program. Well, thank you. I'm glad to be here. How did you get so interested in the Mojave Desert and uncover these incredible stories? Well, I had always... I grew up in the Midwest, so, you know, I, I was coming from a totally different geographic area when I moved to the West Coast, and I went to the desert just on vacation or to, to visit, and I fell in love with it. I decided to move there, and once I moved here, I started meeting local people, and always being a history buff and, and a fan of bizarre things and crazy stories, uh, I started hearing things from people that were very intriguing. And then, you know, once you spend enough time by yourself out in the desert, you start to encounter things of your own, which add to the equation. So, uh, you know, um, it just came from living in the area. And all of a sudden I, I realized what a rich history this place has beyond the classic history of miners, Native Americans, and uh, military tech. I was talking about the general geographic area. Is it a wide area, however? Yeah, it's it's a lot bigger than people think. And what people don't realize, most people's experience of the desert is driving through it, right? As quickly then, as you can. Right, right. And it tends to be on the peripheral edge of the desert, you know. So um, you drive through and you look off into the vast countryside, you know, and geez, what the hell goes on out there? Well... That's what I love is going out there into the center part of the Mojave and uh, exploring because 
it's a totally different world. There's almost like there's two different families of phenomenon you encounter. There's, there's things that people encounter on the road. I, I call it the what I saw on the road, you know, syndrome, uh, what people see when they're driving or when they stop to eat or relieve themselves or whatever. Then there's what you encounter deeper into the wilds, which tends to be a lot different and a lot more strange. Does law enforcement talk about some of these cases and things we're going to talk about tonight? Um, yes. Uh, I had one sheriff's deputy tell me that if everybody dumped in the desert could get up and walk, they'd be elbow to elbow. Jeez. Um, now, that's obviously a bit dramatic, but if you study the history of it, you will see that, that going back even into frontier times, uh, there were just stories all the time in the papers about people disappearing in the desert and or bodies found or parts of bodies found and and the area is so big that the police or the sheriffs really can't get to a lot of it i I know at one point the san bernardino coroner's office was backed up almost a year and a half my gosh and ml is there still the indigenous mojave people in that region there are, uh, you know, a lot of that was, was swept away and, and they were forced onto reservations and stuff like that. Um, they are select groups that are starting to reclaim a bit of their heritage. The thing is, that's all government land now. So they're fighting the government to get back what was theirs originally. And uh, it's it tends to be more on the peripheral, like I said. People don't realize that life centers around water in the desert. If you're not near water, you're not really going to have a population center or anything like that. So in the vast interior, which is very dry, it's still pretty uh, unpopulated. Let's talk about some various aspects of the unusual. We'll start with UFOs. How long is the history of that in those areas? That goes back all the way to the very first uh, white settlers into the area. Um, the papers of the time used to carry articles, and I've done videos on this, on what they would call mysterious aerial visitors or uh, airships. And they were described as, as lights in the sky, but sometimes they would actually see craft, what they thought were attached to them, or lights attached to craft, and silent, coasting over areas. Now, at that time, what's interesting is the UFO phenomenon has changed decade to decade. It's like it really depends on the techno- technological level of the society viewing it. In the early days, they were considered airships, and the people behind them they thought were mad scientists who were testing their designs at night so they wouldn't be stolen, or military stuff, or uh, men from Mars. And then as it progressed into uh, the early stages of man flight, then you get the military. And, and now everybody, you know, we went through the whole contact D era from the forties, fifties, oh, right. yeah. where, where it was, you know, uh, Venusians taking people up and flying saucers and, and blonde uh, people to the grays, the greens, the reptilians, the, uh, and today you know, as you see the, the Navy releasing these videos of, of stuff they're encountering just off the coast, um, which is more what they call tic-tac or drone-type uh, entities or activities. I mean, we've got reports of that going back, way back. I just did a, a case I uncovered in 1955 in Palm Springs. They saw 
what they said looked like a cube in the air that was spinning and um, swirling, and then it took off at a very fast rate of speed. Then that night, two Air Force guys flying a cargo plane over the desert said they saw it zipping along the ground, shining a blue light on the ground before it took off. Now, I found an actual redacted Air Force report on it where they outlined all these technology that they thought could have been associated with it. And it reads very close to what they're saying today, things that are operating beyond the level of what we consider current uh, technological abilities. And today, you know, the debunkers want to say, well, it's, it's drones. They're testing. It's either Russia, China, or the, you know, secret American guys uh, testing drones. But then you have the same type of phenomenon manifesting itself in the 50s, which we weren't flying drones in the 50s. And um, there's a great example of how the phenomenon has continued from early days to the 50s right up till today. What do you think? What do you think makes that area so strange? Two things. One, the remoteness and the harshness of the terrain. I mean, it looks like another planet. So it's a natural jump to think that there's things from another planet out there. But. The big thing, and this is why the military puts their uh, secret testing out there, is there's no one around to watch. Or if there is someone trying to watch your stuff, you can spot them because there's no place to hide. Uh, you know, the Area 51, China Lake, Groom mm-hmm. Lake, all these places. And there's there's other bases out there that are even more secret that you really don't even know you stumbled into until all of a sudden you find your electronics are all getting jammed and you encounter things that are really bizarre. Like I've stumbled into what I'm pretty sure was a secret test uh, that was confirmed by two other people that witnessed it. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh, my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series, Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halper. Just a shame, you know, that they took him from us. Experience this investigation in a truly unique way, knocking on doors, uncovering new evidence, including the DNA of a potential killer. 
Uh, my name is Danny Smith. I'm a detective uh, with Miramar Police Department. This is Scott Weinberger. We're actually reopening an old case, and your name came up. Untangling secrets that may reveal the answers to not only one murder, but almost a dozen. I thought they were going to kill me, so I kept my mouth shut and I didn't say anything. All these years, I didn't say anything. Listen to Cold-Blooded, the Apollo Jim Murders on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Let's talk about some of the strange creatures that are out that way. The Death Valley werewolf, what have we uncovered here? Well, that was a, a thing I had found, uh, an article that actually came from Palo Alto, which is at that time was the outskirts of L.A. on the desert, where they were reporting a what looked like a wolf-like animal with a human head that had been uh, seen on the outskirts of town and the police actually had to investigate and their conclusion was it was quote some uh, bizarre exotic animal which doesn't leave you with a lot of of people now that i published that and then i got reports from a a couple people one guy that was up in death valley and he said one night driving back through death valley he saw what he said looked like I guess what today they would call a dog man or a, a werewolf type entity, you know, some mm-hmm. uh, thing that looked like canine, but would go to two legs as it ran at times. And he had seen it by the road and watched it uh, run off through the desert. And then someone else a little farther South had reported the same thing that they had stopped to uh, relieve themselves and, saw this thing sitting out on a ledge watching them. And when they moved back to the car, it stood up and ran off. And they described it as looking like a werewolf. So I I ran with the werewolf of Death Valley uh, as a title. But it's some sort of creature that the people that see it say it, it shares characteristics of canine and human. I mean, there's something yeah. strange going on out there. There's no doubt about that, is there? Well, so here's the thing. We've got, I, when I first moved here, like, I, people would be talking about the Yucca Man or uh, the Hairy Man or the Elder Brother, which mm-hmm. was their version of what classically sounds like Bigfoot or at least some sort of hominid right. creature. And I, and I thought at the time that this is 
Okay, of any place it's not going to be is the Mojave Desert, right? I mean, it just sounded too crazy. Uh, but I met so many people that had told me stuff, and then I myself found tracks on like four different occasions and photographed them. And I've, I've shared some of the photos, some I, I haven't yet. But they led me to uh, some really bizarre stories by people and and. I don't know if I've got time to tell you. Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Sure. This is one of the things I love about doing this. I'm sure you're the same way. Is when I hear stories that start with, I never told anybody this, or this was too weird that I just didn't want to share it with anyone because they think I'm crazy. Because I like those. Those are the ones that are a lot more personal. Those are the best. Right. So I had shown this photograph to a friend of mine, and he mentioned it to a friend of his. And he came to me and said, hey, can I see that picture? So I showed it to him and he goes, and same thing. He goes, I never told anyone this cause it was so strange, but I'm going to tell you. He was hunting in the Mojave preserve, which is uh, 3 million acres of wilderness in the middle of the That's Mojave. Huge, which they still huge have big, yeah. Big game that you can hunt. And you know, people hunt mule deer. There's, there's uh, cougars, burrows also. They don't hunt burrows, but you know, there's a lot of animals and he was up there hunting, doves and in the desert everything goes for water so he goes you know i knew where there was a secret water hole so i was going to wait till the end of the day when everything goes to drink and see if i could catch some doves coming to to drink not very sporting but i'm I'm not a hunter so anyway because i i came i hiked about three miles in from my camp to this rocky area where i knew there was this hidden water hole and I got up close to it, and he goes, all of a sudden, I got the weirdest feeling, like like my skin was crawling, like my hair standing on end. And he goes, I instinctively stopped, took the bird shot out of my shotgun, and put two uh, shells in with buckshot. And he goes, there was a hedge separating me from the water hole. And as I approached it, I had my gun at my shoulder because I, I just felt something was there. Because all of a sudden there was this grunt and this figure came hurtling through the air over the hedge and landed at my feet. Jeez. I looked, he goes, I looked down. It was a dead foal, donkey, or burrow. Like right? it was tossed over at him? Here's the thing. He said its back was snapped in half. Like something had just smashed his back because it was bent almost U-shaped in the wrong direction. He said tongue was hanging out. When I, so I'm like, wait a minute, someone threw a mule at you, a, a burrow at you? He goes, this thing came cartwheeling through the air like a rag doll to land at my feet. He goes, I'm looking down at this thing going, what the hell? And he goes, all of a sudden this roar comes from behind the ledge or hedge. That, he goes, it sounded like someone ripping a grizzly bear in half. And then it took off through the bushes on the other side, and I heard brush cracking. And as it ran away from me, and I'm like, well, did you go over to the water and look like if there were tracks near the, mm-hmm. water? Goes, you know, hell no. He goes, I got the message loud and clear that this thing didn't want me there. So I started hiking back to my camp. He went the other way, right? Right. And he goes, as I got halfway to my camp, I came across a line of tracks that look exactly like this photo you showed me. That's why I'm telling you. I'm like, wow, that's 
that's one of the weirder ones I, I've heard. Sounds like yeah. a sounds like a Bigfoot episode, doesn't it? Well, here's the thing. Yeah, here's the thing. He goes, there's a guy out there who got a picture of it. Um, okay, so he said the magic words. I'm like, okay, I got to see the picture. He goes, well, I'm trying to get it, but the, here's the story. There's an old man that lives up there in a cabin, kind of a recluse, and he raises rabbits. Something's been stealing, or something was stealing his rabbits, and it was he had him in a hutch out back, you know, stacked cages, wire cages. And he goes, whatever it was, was tripping the the door latch and, and taking them. It wasn't like it ripped open the like a bear would do or a coyote. He, he goes, something was actually going in there. And, you know, so the old man did the old trapper's trick of sprinkling a can of flour around the cages to see whatever was coming, if it left tracks. And sure enough, two nights later, it had come and it left tracks and the tracks were these large human-like prints with big toes and you know real flat front of the foot and uh you know what you would say is classic bigfoot lore um so the old man decided to uh go into town and get a uh trail cam so he went in he got trail cam brought it back set it up and he also sat out on his porch for uh, a few nights with a shotgun because he said he had also heard some roaring up in the hills, which he had never heard in like almost 20 years of living there. It was just this one summer. And uh, came out the next day and something had triggered the camera and he had three photos, two of which just show an empty thing uh, side of the... And you've, you've seen these photos though? Well, here's the here's the thing. I... I was trying to get him, and I go, well, what was the, he goes, the one that you can see, you can see the outline of a shoulder and like the side of the head as it's reaching into the cage. I'm like, you got to get me an interview with this guy or, or a copy of the photo. And he goes, okay, I'll try. And uh, came back a couple weeks later. He goes, the guy doesn't want any publicity because he showed it to me. He showed it to some people in his family and they all ridiculed him. And he doesn't want some guy spreading it on the internet. So I was like, oh boy, there's a classic, you know, you you would have had to put it on your YouTube channel, right? (laughs) Yeah. Well, I did, I did a a video on it anyhow called the rabbit snatcher because that's what the guy was calling it. Um, That I just didn't have the photo to show, but I had everything else. And I had this guy's, I didn't tell about the, the mule that the guy told me, but you know, there's an example of, some sort of animal uh, out there that people are still trying to explain or at least come to terms with. And you know yeah. these guys, ML, they're not lying. You can tell when you talk to them. Yeah, well, that's the thing. If I'm going to make up a story about running into uh, some creature out in the desert, why would I say it through a mule at me? I mean, exactly. That or steals would... rabbits. Yeah, exactly. You would immediately go like, like uh yeah okay sure sure now the some uh, one set of pictures i found i actually i was on i think your show with ian and i showed them and they had uh, dr jeff meldrum on who was a bigfoot oh he's he's good locomotion specialist and he looked at one set. he said he didn't know what they were the other ones he said he thought might have been a four-legged animal running and as all four feet came down and contacted the ground it, it blew out what made it look like a giant footprint and i had a whole track of them um now 
at the time, I'm like, well, okay, I guess that's one interpretation. Now, a friend of mine found some more a mile away from where I did in the winter in the snow, and you can clearly see toes on these, so it's it wasn't a four-legged thing. Listen to more Coast to Coast AM every weeknight at 1 a.m. Eastern, and go to coasttocoastam.com for more. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series called Blooded, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halpern. Experience this investigation in a truly unique way, untangling secrets that may reveal the answers to not only one case, but almost a dozen. Listen to Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. From iHeart Podcasts. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. He's breathing right now? Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. A story about money, power, and corruption. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. I'm Paul Pringle, an investigative reporter for the LA Times. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption, on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts.